Sorry about that. It was like an angry meow. Meow, meow, meow. Come on, technology. That sort of meow. Yeah, definitely. What? Definitely. Way, way too many things <laughs> open. My poor little MacBook. Yeah, same. I keep closing things and I find more windows back behind farther. <laughs> more desktops. Desktops on desktops. It, My screen's just started dying, I think. Just in the like last a MacBook? 24 hours, yeah. Oh. It's showing some signs of imminent death. Is it still under warranty? It's pretty close, huh? Don't know. I've had it for about 18 months. So probably not. Oh, no. Man, it's already been 18 months. I remember when you got that. How is that possible? I don't know how that's possible. Weird. I just burnt myself on the heater. <laughs> the heater up on my inner thighs. Ah! You've got a heater on and we just turned our air conditioner off. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Hey. Morning. How you doing? Morning, morning. Pretty good. You? Yeah, good. Running. Running good. all over the place. Just trying to make my head smaller. There we go. Justin's <laughs> head is bigger now. That's what Which. I like to see too. That's <laughs> looking at myself so much. Oh, there we go. Put me put me on the side. Da -da 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 -da. Oh, yeah, running. Just kind of overcommitted. At work on a Saturday. Trying to get through stuff. You know. How are you going? Uh, good. My voice is actually kind of shot from talking so much the last three days. I'm not used to talking that much. I was at the Fusion Summit in San yeah. Luis, Luis, I can never say it, San Luis Obispo. Slow. It was good. There's a lot of there's good presentations. Every time I sit in those rooms, I'm just like, oh, everybody here basically knows way more about this industry, these machines, this software than I do. But you can also have these discussions that are great about like pretty high level thinking and planning, like heard a different version of Rob Lockwood's like how they're kind of moving forward with the container method to try to use the no, new cool. type of some of the new features that are coming as well as linking in different vices without breaking things, which was really cool. Lots of there's cool. talk about automation and a big portion of it was about API being enabled for manufacturing now. Mm. I think that came out last month, if I remember right. And the design workspace had already almost two years, I think, or something like that of access, public access. access. And so I, I did do one little discussion on the last day, which is kind of like giving examples of how you could use the API. And I think the holdup for most of us in the room was nobody really knows how to code anything. <laughs> We're all machinists that like use, you know, use the software. We're like, this is going to be so great. We're going to figure out all these new things. And then as like the person showing it was like, well, it's kind of hard to show live. So, you know, here's something that I've done. And it'd be like a cool, like almost like automated tool pathing by colors, which is really cool. So you could, you could label oh. a face with a color you wanted and then have a scripted Python solution mm -hmm. that looks for those colors and applies this t type of tool path. And it would also like look at your tools that we're capable of using and choosing the tool based on the internal radii. Um, mm. Cool. 
really awesome and we're like, oh, cool, teach us how to do that. And then you start looking at the code and you're like, oh, wait, it's really complicated. <laughs> that's why there's engineers for this. So it's good, but still daunting. Does that, Tumor, based on that experience, do you think we're close to automated toolpathing? So that's an interesting question. Or at least kind of like auto-generated and then human-verified toolpathing? Yeah, so another example, there was two two or three versions of this kind of idea. One is just, well, they're probably all using the API, honestly, but there's this, have you heard of this tech startup called CloudNC? No. I had vaguely heard of it before. It is a startup in London or England, and I believe the CEO or the founder was there, CEO, and he gave a presentation on how it works, and it's an add-in currently for Fusion where it uses some machine learning, some of their own experience and looking at feed rates and such. And so you basically go to the manufacturing space, click the add-in, and then it analyzes the parts and your tools that you have available and fires up into the cloud to its algorithms and comes back down within a couple minutes with, I think his take was something like an 80% solution Mm. And it's definitely interesting because it would like break up, you know, a part wall cutout or facing to be six different operations, even though it should be one. So it's like yeah, a little quirky so. in cases, but their hope and goal was to be able to like, especially teach new users that don't have a lot of experience as well as like maybe maybe more experienced programmers to give them a solution that's predetermined or like you know you walk away get a cup of coffee you come back you have mm. a good start almost like a gpt kind of feeling you know where it's yeah. like it's giving you a prompt so that was really cool to see but it definitely has a long ways to go like all of these things do sure but a long ways to go doesn't feel like such a long ways anymore in the current climate <laughs> like no the rate of right. innovation exactly. and progress is like feels so accelerated at the moment it's like yeah. Right. Like even just even just what large really language promising. models are capable of now, like feels like you mm-hmm. could feed sort of machining log- logic just to like a generalist large language model and it'd be able to work out half of it. So if you could then apply right. some sort of specialist models or knowledge or whatever to right. that system. Mm. Right. So like in the API thing we were discussing, like there was a discussion around how GPT could play into this or like, you know, large language models. And I actually had a pretty cool example I did this week where I did, I got a bunch of step files from a client and I was frustrated with the process of having to upload them. They're all Mm -hmm. single files in Fusion because it doesn't let you put them into one file. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm not right clicking and inserting every one of these into one file. So I just typed to GPT. I was like, hey, I've got a bunch of step files on my desktop. How do I get them into Fusion? took me about two or three attempts to get it to do something appropriate, but I made a script that imported each step file from my desktop on a Mac in as components each singularly by their file name named. So like I didn't have to do anything realistically. It took me like less than five minutes. So So I gave that example because... Right. I can, I'm gonna, I was going to share it. And I just, you know, there was a lot of kind of 
downplaying like what you should and shouldn't trust GPT for in this in this discussion. And I, I just gave that example to the to the group, and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of problems, but I did this two days ago in my hotel room, you know, being frustrated, and I don't know how to code anything. I just dump it in there, and it works, you know. And so my thought with that is maybe in the future, like we're giving it instructions, maybe even the simplest version is within a thread. It's you say, all right, well, here's the library for, or the GitHub or something for Fusion's API, learn this real quick and now help me write something with it. That's my thought. It's like the simplest version instead of it needing to be there already. Totally, totally. Yeah, I think it's easy to sort of make excuses about like why GPT like models are no good or like, oh, it's not going to work or it makes these mistakes. It's like, yeah, but humans make all those mistakes too. You just kind of got to ask it, ask it again right. or ask it in the right way and like get to the result. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. So how many days was this fusion party? Two, three. Uh, well, I got there on a Monday and left Thursday, but there was some, it basically started Tuesday through Thursday, so yeah, well, three days. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was a good amount of time, and the allure of going to California is it's basically perfect weather, and, you know, so that was nice, and got to talk to a lot of smart people and catch up with people I'd met or haven't met before, and, like, Dylan and I, Dylan from With Intolerance, who yeah. somehow listens to our podcast, was, we met for the first time in person, and he at one point we were like in this bar having drinks and he's probably listening to this blushing at this moment. And he's like, I'm having a really weird kind of out of body experience hearing you talk in person <laughs> and listening to your podcast. And I was like, yeah, same here. <laughs> like, <laughs> for real people. Awesome. Right. It was fun. Yeah. Cool. And the bomb Johns were there? One bomb John. I okay. don't, know exactly what happened but there was a couple of people that were planning to come and had something come up so hmm. sure. I did not get to meet John G John G nice comment nice yeah. yeah and how are you feeling back at, Does that, are you feeling behind now that you're back at work I will say that it's been nice to have more help because there's way less emails to get back to and we had a little bit of a snafu with a client problem and they took care of it i had a little chat you know outside of Snick. one of the sessions and and they figured out how to deal with it and had the parts being i think they're done yeah they're done today already so it was like a a day turnaround and we didn't have to i didn't have to like freak out while i was there necessarily so that's mm. that's the the promise right of having more awesome. help <laughs> <laughs> fantastic that's great right yeah Right. How have things been going for you? You're, you're overcommitted, you said, but does that mean good things for revenue and outlook? Uh, yeah. Look, I, I don't know that I can publicly talk about what I'm doing today, but basically I committed mm -hmm. to being on an assessment panel some months ago. Right. And the timeline has caught up with me. <laughs> and right. so I've got a lot of reading and other assessments to do today, which is fine. It'll be interesting and I'm still glad I said yes, but just, yeah, feeling the time pinch right now. 
But generally, right. more generally in work work worlds, yeah, things are going pretty well. There's plenty of leads, plenty of work coming in. I'm struggling to mm-hmm. sort of quote fast enough. Like I had a full oh, right. full quoting book this week in terms of I should have been able to hit target, but I just right. didn't get through it all. And there were some complications there. I had a sick kid yesterday and left work early to take her to the doctor and blah, 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 normal life stuff. But, yeah, generally speaking, I just can't get through these quotes fast enough and it's led me back around to like, right, I really need to get this kid of parts configurator happening and online because I'm yeah. spending quite a lot of time drawing custom kit parts, which is awesome. It's fantastic that people are requesting custom kit parts, but right. I'm just aware that like, because I track all my like time invested in every quote and what sort of quote it was. And then I see my like quoting <laughs> value per hour in my right. week's activities and the average of that. And then depending on what sort of quotes I'm working on, I can be like, oh, yeah, these so-called ideal custom kit parts jobs are actually kind of slow to quote. So I had another meeting with Vividworks, the Finland mob, a couple of mm-hmm. days ago. And I was just like, cool. I'm really time poor right now. Like, what would it take for you guys to just get this online for us? Because in, initially they gave us a quote for them right. to build it. And I was like, well, I can't invest that right now. Can we try and can you just give us uh, kind of the bare minimum information so that we can jump in the back end and try and build it ourselves? And we had, I made some progress there, but that kind of stalled when everything got busy. Anyway, so this week I just said to them, you know, can you please, now that you know a bit more about what we're trying to achieve, can you re-quote it on you guys yep. just building it for us? So that price came in the other day and I haven't discussed it with the team yet, but I'll be definitely pushing to kick that along right? and try and, try and get something moving. Yeah. I was just connecting those thoughts as you were talking that mm. I got to meet the the legend Scott Moyes mm. who was there who cool. had a talk and he did like a 20 tips or I forget how many but it was nice to get to chat to him I messaged with him quite a bit and he actually has a decent amount of API scripting experience or like script making experience for Fusion and he kind of started talking in that API group too and showed some examples of stuff he had done and I was just thinking that there could be a scenario Maybe as an interim, and I don't know, you'd have to compare cost potentially for like potentially getting him to help you out with it, but to potentially make a script that's like, all right, I've got all these SKUs and there was all these examples of like, you could send a CSV file to the, like through some script. So you could say, update how many of each piece you want and then have it send and do some type of like, I don't know what your exact calculation you're looking at, but that's probably not the actual like, I don't know what your biggest holdup with it is. It's probably more laying it out and making it look good than it is Basically. numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it is really. Maybe not. It's that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's multi, multi-factors, multiple factors, but like it's, yes, ultimately it comes down to talking to the client and understanding kind of what they want and then doing a, a layout of components, creating a set, which is actually that bit of it's quite quick. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, creating a drawing and a a um, screen capture video and formatting the quote. And, like, there's lots of little steps that I can definitely get more efficient at. 
but right. a whole bunch of those could just be completely removed if people could just log on and build their own. And even if there was an option there of like, you could almost have like a sort of checkbox of like, I want to pay for a review process or like, I want to, I want right. a like butted designer to jump in and help me with this. I've like, I've started and I kind of know what I want, but can you guys look at this or whether that's included or an optional cost? I'm not sure, but if people can start, because right. people, people are going to so much trouble to like make these kooky Excel spreadsheets and diagrams that kind of, kind of to scale <laughs> and like, there's a whole bunch of people who are like trying <coughs> over, overly hard to try and make their own kit apart sets. So it's like, yeah, feels like a no brainer at this right. stage. Mm. Yeah, it feels so. T- I mean, I'm, you think about it way more, but I've definitely thought about your problem of their complicated parts yet not complicated once you actually assemble it, right? And it seems incredibly simple challenge-wise for somebody with the right skill set to go, yeah, just lock these guys together and scale here and scale there. And so I don't know what that combination of things is, but that's really interesting. Mm. A lot of the other discussion, not to talk about the summit forever, but was about automation of Mm. all types, right? From five axis to robots to in your shop, what's automation? And one of the examples that was really good from... I think his name is Brian. He brought up his favorite automation tool in his shop is a 40-year-old metal cutoff tool machine, like a cutoff saw. <laughs> and it just has like analog tooling, right? But he can load in or analog like switches and such such that he can set how long he wants parts, throw a bar in it. And by when he comes back, it's all on the floor ready, you nice. know? Uh-huh. And yeah. I had that. That was like one of the first discussions. And I just had this like, the rest of the time, I was just constantly thinking about all the 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 waste, the junk that we deal with, whether it be our mill that has 512 internal memory and no networking <laughs> set up currently, to like, you know, I do too much of the cam setup, and if I'm not there, then nothing happens. You know, it's just all these little things that it almost like made me feel worse. You know, to talk about uh-huh. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it was nice to be aware of it again, it's like I knew these things and it was like, God, there's so many. <laughs> I think everybody has those, but it's just the slap in the face of like, oh, yeah, I could, we could improve a lot of these things. Yeah. Yeah, so much room for improvement. It reminds me, we had a question during the week about, because I'd posted some stuff about me using my Rhino Kitaparts configurator, the internal one that I made just with blocks in Rhino that count up the value and stuff. Yeah. And Outlandish Campers on Instagram asked, you know, like as a Fusion user, I don't know, you know, I hear you guys talking about Rhino on the podcast all the time, but I haven't looked into it. Like, you know, would, at what point do you sort of switch application? Like where, from our point of view, like why, what's right. Rhino better for versus what's Fusion better for? And like, should, should they like invest in trying to learn Rhino to make sort of a simple configurator like I was using? I was like, yeah, we can chat about that, maybe. Hey, you sent me that and I honestly didn't know how to answer and I was in the middle no. of like some session. I was like, yeah. no, I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's kind of circumstantial, like, you know, 
for me, learning Rhino at uni and as we've discussed, really right. not appreciating it at the time, but then learning to appreciate it once I was sort of out in the workforce. You know, if I if Rhino wasn't one of my sort of core skills, then I just wouldn't have made this thing and I probably wouldn't know anything about Rhino. But it, yeah, I mean, you can kind of, you could probably build a sort of version of that configurator in Fusion too. It just wouldn't be as fast and snappy to use. Right. And I think there's definitely, you know, we've discussed this a lot, but like there's definitely advantages in just how fast Rhino is as an application versus something like Fusion right. <laughs> in terms of quickly, whether it's quickly spinning up sketch work or concepts. It's, yeah, there's, I think there's huge advantages in just how rapid it is. Like we've been talking internally about just not doing, when we're doing custom work, not producing client sign-off drawings in Fusion anymore and just getting all of the client side sign-off done in Rhino before even Josh, before Josh touches it in Fusion. Because mm-hmm. we've often run into a situation where Josh has done a whole bunch of work, lots of keeping it simple, like calling block block CAD as we call it, where he kind of just blocks out the job in Fusion. But then you know, right. after a site visit or client feedback, there's sort of substantial changes, and then there's a lot of work, just more time to kind of rework that in Fusion versus just like yep. redrawing a two D, even a three D in right. Rhino, which is so much quicker. But I don't, I don't have a sense of sort of what the barrier to entry would be for someone who, say, has only used Fusion or SolidWorks of how quickly you could pick up Rhino in a useful way. It's I don't know. so interesting. <laughs> like, I'm sure you're the same. I've trained, what, a half dozen people personally on how to use Fusion. Hmm. But I've never trained anybody on Rhino. It always comes up, like, even, you know, our newest tire, right? Like, I, we were talking about today. And they're pretty good at picking up software like that. And I was just like, I don't know where to tell you to start. Like, yeah. you know, with Fusion, we're looking at Fusion. And I was like, well, actually, I've made videos on that. So here's, you don't yeah. have to watch these, but here's my intro to Fusion video. And it's it's funny because, like, you were one of the only people I know that we have very similar experience. And yet, I don't know how to elicit the value of Rhino the same way. It it's mm. it's always speed farming, but we have such an experience with it that it's like, is it that? Is it speed? If you have equal, you know, mm. maybe some maybe a native fusion user is way faster than us, and yeah. we just are slow. I don't know. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, hard to say. So yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Quoting is one thing too that as you were talking about in terms of sluggishness and well, something that I do that almost nobody else in the shop does and it being overly subjective sometimes because of the variation and what we do is all over the place and it's not like a one way to calculate estimation of a cam thing you know it's there's no algorithm currently that i can use like paperless parts or something so that's a big one and i wrote flying back i was trying to think of like what are these big hurdles and how can we you know, skip through them and how can this be less emotional and less all the things, right? That just make it more of a, a simpler task. And yeah, I guess if it was easy, there'd be more software to do it that made it easy, <laughs> I guess, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, something that I've been thinking about during the week is just, yeah, how to make my quoting process more efficient. 
because I remembered the other day that we used to quote without ever doing drawings for custom work. Like I was always really resistant to doing drawings at the quoting stage because I was like, well, we don't know if the customer's going to go ahead, so why would I waste time designing it for them now? And honestly, I was doing a quote yesterday and I was like, I can't remember how I possibly did this without doing a drawing. (laughs) Like I must have just been pulling numbers out of them. My proverbial, like, I don't know how I did it because I'm now I'm so like reliant. Like, I might, I sketch quickly and loosely, and I, I feel like I've got a decent sense of like which details I can just ignore for now and we'll pick up later. Right. But in terms of like conversion, I feel like a big part of why our conversion rates like double what it used to be is because we're putting way more effort into the quoting you know, doing a concept with every custom quote, basically. Which, yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to find that balance. But it did remind me of how, like, we never quoted like this, but we used to, like, cross-check our quoting with a just a dumb rule of thirds thing of, like, what's the value of the material in the job times it by three. Is that oh close to, like, the value of the quote? And then over the years... So this is like 10 plus years ago where there was like a little rule of thirds shit test of like, is your quote any good? Thing. And then over the years, we've kind of developed a bit more sort of hmm, intelligence around that of like, cool, okay, not every sort of job is the same factor. And you can potentially get smart on, cool, what sort of work is in it? What sort of work is it? Mm-hmm. All right, it should be a factor of six. Or if it's really like complex detailed work with relatively low material value it's like cool it might even be a factor of 10 15 20 like you can right. i was thinking i can probably go back through airtable because i've got a fact a factor field in airtable in my quoting register i could probably go back and like reverse engineer previous jobs and go cool this was a factor six job this was a factor three job and then create a, like a, a matrix to sort of potentially build up a quoting or at least an estimating system that's just entirely cool. What's the material cost? Apply this factor for this kind of job. Cool. Here's your quote. Right. Um, it's, like, it's like the promise of what Microsoft's been talking about with their like little new clippy thing. I forget what it's called. Uh, what? Copilot or something. Oh, Copilot. You heard about this? Yeah. Like co- Tell me more. Copilot. New clippy. Um. It when it was demoed, I don't know if it's actually in use. I use almost no Microsoft products like this, so I don't know how to even try it. But um, it, when it was demoed, supposedly you could say open an, an Excel workbook that had say some your company's like profit and loss statement or all the transactions in it, and say basically go for it, digest this information. Ooh click a button and then ask it questions afterwards and it's supposed to like help you you could say like what was our most profitable quarter and why did it change from previous quarters and it would give you an answer what it thought that was and so i think the promise of maybe we can open up our air table to digest this information tell me this answer would be really appealing and maybe this will be five years before this kind of thing happens but i don't know I got an email the other day saying that AI tools are coming to Airtable, so as they're coming to every other platform. 
Yes. Where did you get? I come. I didn't get this email. <laughs> I think, I, unless I'm misremembering, I'm pretty sure I saw that. But even without that, like you could take oh. that. No. Yes. Did you just verify that? I found a client? beta by googling for it. <laughs> nice. But even without that, like you could feed your CSV to GPT-4 code interpreter and get it to do right. something similar, potentially. Like I could, yeah, abstract customer information out of it and like say, cool, give me, compare material value to final value and give me a breakdown of factors for this these sorts of jobs or something. It could be cool. Right. I'm still really which, which wary. Which client should we not work with anymore? <laughs> yeah. I'm still really wary <laughs> of putting sensitive information into chat GPT. Right. I know you can like turn off chat history, which allegedly means that they won't train on your on that data and it'll get um, deleted after 30 days. But it still seems like such a, a void. Right. I believe uh-huh. as long as it's in a computer somewhere, it's never going away again. Yeah. That's like a, once probably you've, a good Once you've good entered data, thumb. it's never never disappearing, <laughs> no matter what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Good theory. <clears throat> yeah. That's why I stopped sending those weird photos. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. What? You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What else is happening? Mm-hmm. <sighs> kind of trying to think about like, well, I think you should always be doing this probably, but I go in spurts of like thinking about the present often and trying to keep up with it and now trying to like think about, you know, what's our what's our year plan? What's our two-year plan? And some of that's always like, do we need a different shop? You know, have we outgrown it? Do we need different people do we need mm-hmm. you know what's the goal of our next products and what kind of machines do those need what kind of revenue do those just you know the next year need and this is all pretty new for me in some ways because we mm-hmm. did so much what i would consider like following right like you follow the product projects that come in your door and it feels like there's very little planning capable because of that in my my experience Another thing I kind of learned, I feel like, in talking to all these people is I had a handful of people go, what exactly do you guys do? Right? <laughs> like, awesome. I follow you on Instagram, but I don't really get it. And it was always like a gut punch of like, oh, my God, it's that confusing. Huh? All right. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, you know, and we've been in a transition for quite a while that I feel like it's becoming more clear and things like thinking out a year in advance of like, all right, well, if we're going to buy some new machine and it needs a different shot, we got to start thinking about that. And, and so a lot of those thoughts are still pretty fresh, but I feel like I get this like lofty thinking through these meetings with all these smart people and, and then flying home and going, Ooh, let's think for two mm-hmm. hours, you know, like <laughs> lofty, awesome. lofty plane flights. Mm, so I don't know, not really being. much to say, I suppose, other than, it's just dreaming, like everybody talking about five axis and all the automation yeah. you can have through that and and having FOMO and wanting to join that crowd of the future <laughs> feels like of machining and manufacturing. Yeah. Get some cobots. 
Right? Right? Mm. Yeah. I feel like yeah, you that's could probably use a cobot. Oh, I was dreaming about it. You sent me that photo of one the other day, and I was like, yeah, I could use a cobot. And it feels like the more refined our business model gets and the more like narrow and focused our product range gets, the more the easier it is to kind of imagine like where a cobot would fit in. It's like, cool, if we were right. just doing two key product lines, kitaparts and the shelves, I can easily imagine a cobot like handling, polishing dowel on the lathe or like polishing dowel all day <laughs> feeds the feeds it into the chuck. It's got a little multi-head <laughs> attachment. It sands the dowel, it dips the thing in the Osmo and oils it. Comes out of the pencil box, goes into the pencil sharpener, then oh, yeah. Donatello. Just the, to, <laughs> it's just listening to Barry White all day as it polishes down. <laughs> <laughs> it's got little headphones on. You just yeah, come over yeah. and... <laughs> no, it, it's, you know, again, it's like I go to these things to get, you know, inspiration and share, share a space with really smart people that be inspired i suppose and at this at cal poly they have a pretty cool like engineering machining workspace and they had a cobot there that the the story was which i didn't see this but supposedly the person some student was setting it up off-site and got it all dialed in for a system and then brought it there to the shop set it up and was like using it to load and unload parts on a running machine like they were mm. actually putting it in and out. It didn't take like three weeks. Like the stories were always like, oh, the integration is forever. It's supposedly like an M code and then yeah. like two pins in the back of the machine or something. And that it just works. <laughs> just like really appealing. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see one in our future if we continue down this trajectory of simplification right. and focus for sure be cool be cool be cool nice what's that eric trine threads post you've dropped in there right tell me about it right i knew you were i think i'd looked at our show notes or notes ahead of time and it was you were talking about quoting so he had mm. eric trine had a threads thing about quoting and like I guess I kind of have to read it for it to make any sense. He said, I found that commercial furniture has a similar conversion rate sales-wise. Most of my time is spent quoting orders, knowing that 10% or less will turn into purchases. In e-commerce, mm-hmm. it would be like uploading everyone's cart, holding onto that hope, and all these orders are going to come through. I remember in 2016 having 1.3 million in abandoned carts on my site, and I was doing less than $100,000 in sales on the site. Yeah, wow. And he he follows that with one other... This guy's always just posting gold. It would it would be uh, it would be ill advised to base your business on quotes, but if you increase your quotes and the percentage holds, you could likely increase your sales. Either you need more eyes on your work or better eyes on your work for like nice. e-commerce purposes. So I don't know the you talking about quote quote quotas kind of was sticking in my brain while I was going through that mm. of like sure you can increase it, but is it like is it the right quotes? I guess. Is it worth your time? Similar, you're saying like making drawings and all that. It's like, I'm sure you're great at like analyzing that, but the number isn't always maybe correlated to how many you actually 
clothes or something? I don't know. Maybe that's not right. Yeah, look, we've gotten pretty good at analyzing this stuff over the last couple of years and like our quoting my quoting target is 64,000 a week and we know that our conversion rate like 10 years no not even 5 years ago our conversion rate was only about 33%. Our conversion rate now is around 50% and Ooh. as we dial in our sort of ideal job and like getting better and better at qualification of going cool that's that's a good job we can quote that effectively that's not a good job we will will decline that we won't even quote it learning like every day how to do that better but like it's very like we've hit 60 percent conversion rate in some months and it's i think it's viable to go higher than that again as we continue to refine our qualification wow. and ideal jobs so that's great well, the, the dream is that we can get our conversion rate to like 60, 70%. And then that means that the quoting target can drop because we're like, cool, we need this revenue per week. Sure. And if we're hitting this conversion rate, then I can quote less and spend less time doing that. And then, you know, get a configurator and quote even less again. But even without mm-hmm. those tools and efficiencies, assuming like I'm at peak efficiency quoting, which I'm not, like, yeah, if I can increase conversion rate, then I can ultimately quote less. Um, so, yeah. I would share, as Eric just said, it's about like getting the right eyes on right. it and sort of pre-qualifying people to like been using fill out for our quoting request form, which I really like sort of from a user experience point of view. I don't like the back end of fill right. out particularly, but from the front end experience of what the user, how they input their info into our quoting form, I quite like. And yep. I've we've modified our form recently to be pretty easy, like less questions, mm. less required questions to proceed, which means we're getting a little yep. bit more, little bit more junk through our quoting form. But it's pretty quick for Sarah to look at that and go, yeah, nah, sorry, not the right fit. Um, right. But I really, I'm really keen to sort of put more educational material into that form. So if someone is actively engaged and like going through that form and like they can click on a little video pop up and it's like me talking about the process of customizing shelves and what's sufficient and what's not and what are your options mm-hmm. and like it's a little 30 second, one minute video at each stage of the quoting form feel like there's huge yep. potential there to like pre-qualify people in or out until so we just get yep. higher and higher quality leads through the form and then again that'll lead to higher conversion rates so yeah i'd like it interesting feeling feeling really optimistic about it all at the moment it's just not finding enough hours in the week yeah but yeah, yeah that's frustrating yeah learning, i think learning. it's a it's a much better experience for sure like kind of goes back to that feeling I always had about Typeform being a better experience, but that I didn't like the, just as a little too like, I don't know. I didn't like how it felt in the end. It's yeah. interesting how it lets you go through it. And I feel like fill out gives you a little less typing, more visual impact where you can say mm. like, do you want a 3D version or a 2D version or like, and have images to that. So I found it pretty useful. Are you paying for it? Not yet, but I plan right. to because I want 
Like I, I just want the functionality of customers getting a confirmation email, I think, which you have to pay, be on a paid plan for. Right. You can do that with Airtable, I suppose, if you needed. But, um, oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. That's what I do. Once they land in there, I have them send from there. But they do have really limited. Mm, I could like, do that. I mean, it's a good tool. Like, I think if I really leaned into it, I'd use it more and more. But I use it. I love how it can do some back-end kind of math as you're going through it too. Like you can have it some things. You could have it you could have it give them a live quote, basically, if you were really looking to do it your own way. So yeah, it's a good experience. I think it Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Quotes. Yeah. I'll keep playing that game. But you are Buy anything or process it. It's Korea. <laughs> I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed. Or it's so quiet. <laughs> Gotta make that louder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the other sort of techie integration that I want at the moment is the ability to like tie my like because every time I do a quote, I'm putting a lead time on it. And I want the ability to tie that <laughs> into our production schedule. And it's just yes, uh, there's a yes, real yes. disconnect there at the moment of like I'm saying to Ben and Jay like cool what what lead time should I put on custom quotes at the moment they're like oh yeah six weeks eight weeks whatever it is which is fun it's kind of all gut feel stuff like those guys are looking at their production Gantt chart in their table and they have some sense of it but it's pretty rudimentary. Like our production Gantt right. is pretty rudimentary. It doesn't have any dependencies or subtasks within it. It's kind of just like blah, lump, big job. Right. Starts here, ends there. Could get way right. better. And it would be awesome to integrate um, that into quoting so it can be like, cool, yeah, this, this, I know it's impossible to know when something's going to convert, but right. there is the potential that this could slot in beautifully here or not. <laughs> Just had, I don't know, it always depends on how you have things set up, but the way that I usually do in Quotient, I have like one of the fields says ETA, right? Like estimated, you know, delivery date or whatever. And it's, it's usually a range. And I usually just type that in as I'm doing the quote, but and I always give all these like, depends on our current job queue when, so, you know, when accepted, but like you can come back two days later and I can completely change based on what's mm. been accepted in that exactly. day. Exactly. And I was just thinking, what if you just put a link in that to some Airtable view that was just showing, here's what our current production time is. So every time you update, it's not dependent on what's stuck in Quotient. It's going to your live like production ETA or whatever you have somewhere. That'd be it's cool. a little bit janky, but it's at least live. I wonder if she could abstract that data into like a just sort of a blocky Gantt chart. So like all the red things are approved jobs in the system now with start and end dates and all the green blobs are like, quote, like leads. And they For your internal just, use or external? No, nah, external. Huh. And they'd sort of just plop into the Gantt at the you know the next available space so that i don't know we, what that would achieve we don't but. even have a gantt chart i guess that would be in projects we had like 
a couple more projects than normal custom job kind of things. Uh, <laughs> and I actually had to use the Gantt chart recently. I was like, ah, oh, where is it at? How do I find it? How do I find it? Where did it go? There's nothing in it currently, which is great. Great, great, yeah. great. No, no dates yeah. put in. Yeah, we've got a couple of tools. Like We have a Gantt for production, so we can just see things overlapping. We also have like a jobs by like our work in progress view, which is all the jobs that are currently in the system. Mm-hmm. And they'll all have end dates on them. So we can go to like a weekly view and can see like, cool, there's this much value of job ending on this week. And so it's kind of highlights Ooh. issues. It's like, cool, we've got $100,000 worth of work ending in all in one week. And then the next week there's only 10000 It's like, cool, can we shuffle some of those dates around? Right. And that's kind of, it's. Right. That's nice. Th- and this is the thing that's frustrating about that is it doesn't, it's not, we haven't built it in such a way that it knows, A, how much of that work is complete or not, or like what's oh. even required to complete that work. It's just kind of a monetary value of like, that's big, that's small, maybe we should look right. at that, which is useful, right. but again, could be could be smarter. But yeah. Well, I think we are limited by our office temperature at this point, unless you have something pressing to Absolutely. discuss yeah it's cool <laughs> it's getting toasty in here i don't i don't want to cook you i'm just warming up <laughs> oh it's all the hot air but heated between my legs okay i better go oh daddy <laughs> don't start don't get me into that mode all right <laughs> see ya see ya man good chat bye, bye. <laughs>